Each of you will uh, open up with uh, Psalm 96 this morning. The heading is a call to worship the Lord, the righteous judge. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Let's stand up for an opening prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with thankful hearts, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy, Lord. Um, God, thank you for this opportunity to gather together and to worship you, Lord, to praise you, to declare your majesty from day to day, Lord Jesus. And God, I just thank you for each one here this morning, Lord. Thank you for um, bringing us together, Lord. I pray for those who are here, uh, my wife included, Lord, be with her. Bless, bless everyone, Lord Jesus, and just... I pray that this would be a day of rest, a day of coming to you and just um, resting in the finished work of the cross, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. And God, we're here to just worship you, to magnify and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This song we're going to sing is a new hallelujah. It's sang by Michael W. Smith, but he has the African's Children's Choir behind him. And I always, when I, when I hear this song, or I sing this song, I always think it says, every tribe and every nation. And I just have to, like this morning, singing, think of all over the world, every tribe, every nation, we're singing all to the same Father. I know I'm on this whole thing about us being a family of God and under the head of Jesus Christ. But isn't that so beautiful to think of? Every different language every different race of children, if you will, because that's what I'm thinking with the African Children's Choir, of just singing praise to God. Anyway, as we sing this song, just think about that as we sing.
same in every language. It's the, the same word across every language, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's a, just a neat, neat thing. Every tribe and every nation sings a new hallelujah. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty. Let's sing together. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who reigns forevermore. Blessed be the Lord
Lord God, we worship you this morning because you are almighty God. Lord, you are worthy to be praised. Lord Jesus, how can we ever praise you enough, Lord? Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for saving us from our sin, Lord, and drawing us to you. And Lord, I pray that, um, Lord, for each one this morning, God, as we walk uh, this walk of life, Lord, that we would just always be aware of your presence and knowing that you are always near. Lord, I pray that you would just lead us on to know you more in Jesus' name. You can be seated. And if there's anyone who has a testimony or a prayer request, feel free to share. I was reading in Philippians 1 this morning. It says, starting in verse 6, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers of, with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And I was just meditating this morning on verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. I can't do this on my own. Like, for me, this life in Christ is not because of something I can do. It's only because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's only because of his power within me that allows me to change and be transformed. And so that I can live this out, to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. It's only through his power in my life that I can change. And because of that, I can be ready in that day, as Paul is praying for the church there at Philippians, uh, at Philippi, to be ready and knowing that if they are in Christ, living within him, allowing his power to transform, it will be counted to them as righteousness, and then it changes them for that day. It won't be because of their own strength. This song, Here is Love, is, is just such a beautiful hymn. Um, and something that I, I need to think of more is the love of, of God. Here is love, vast as the ocean, um, like we can't even <clears throat> begin to measure the love that he has for us. And when we truly know his love, we don't have any fear. Like, I don't need to fear anything. Um, being completely just surrounded in his love will take away all anxiety and fear. And I, I mean, he showed his love to us in such a beautiful way by shedding his blood for us. And I never want to um, forget or lose the awesomeness of that, like how incredible that God sent Jesus to die on this terrible earth and shed his blood for my sins. And in that love, we don't have to fear.
This uh, song, When We All Get to Heaven, always makes me think of you, Dad, because I know you love this song. And um, this last week was my dad's birthday. And I was thinking a lot this week about the influence that you've had in my life. I mean, obviously, you've had a big influence, but a really good influence in my life. I always, one of the first things, or every morning growing up, I always remember the first thing I would see was you out on the table or in your chair reading your Bible and having your time with God. And that was just like the sun coming up every morning. That's exactly what you were doing. It was so, you were always so steady and faithful. And thank you so much for all the years that you have. Um, not only did you choose to leave your family for the sake of Christ and left everything, but... I still see you doing that even as you get older again and again. You've chosen Christ um, no matter what everybody else was doing. And um, thank you for the example that you are to us and so many others in your life. In your life. Um, and, yeah, I always think of you when we sing this song. <laughs> Let's all stand up. Stand up and... Put our hands together. Sing the wondrous. 
Rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus, will sing and shout the victory. This morning as I was spending some time in prayer, it was amazing the scripture you shared earlier, Carrie, which is it's just like the Lord just brought that to mind of how, um, and my prayer was to, that the Lord would bring forth fruit in not only my life, but the lives of all of you here today, um, that we would bear the fruit of the Spirit. We can't do it without Christ. It's his righteousness imputed into us. Our good works are filthy rags. Without the righteousness of Christ, it's, it's trash. It's, it's worthless. Christ is enough. Let's sing together.
Christ my all in all, my joy and my salvation, and this hope will never fail, heaven is our home. persevere till the end. Lord, would you become so real in their lives, and Lord, would they have such a hunger for your word, a desire for you, for the presence of you, of being filled with the Holy Spirit, Lord, that there is no possibility of them ever looking to the right or to the left, but all they can see is you, Lord. And at the end, Lord, if we can just look at you and know that we have followed faithfully to there, to you, to you through this time. And Lord, I just pray that this would be real in our lives as well as in each, and, uh, in each and every one around this world, Lord, that loves you and cares about you. 
Lord, thank you for the power that you give us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that you've given mm -hmm. us in our lives, Lord, to make this possible. Yes, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that we would um, look to you as the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, it's not the circumstances of this world that matter. It's not anything that we do in this world in our own strength, but Lord, only what we can do through you. Pray this in your name. Amen. Father, I just pray for souls that are hanging in the balance, around the reminded me of a verse on the way to church this morning that goes along with what we just prayed. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I, help, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Mm. Lord Jesus, God, we come to you on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Canada, Lord, the church there. God, I pray that you would fill them with boldness, Lord Jesus, to proclaim your word. Lord, no matter what excuses the government uses, um, Lord, we know that, Lord, the government isn't the real enemy, but it's Satan, Lord, who has come to make war against the saints, against the church of Jesus Christ, and to stop the gospel from being spread. And God, I just pray that, Lord, this trial would um, only bring a refining and a boldness, Lord, and an opportunity for your Holy Spirit to, to reign and God to, God, just, just fill these brothers and sisters with boldness, Lord, and God, encourage them. Lord Jesus, I pray that, um, that Lord, you would just use this for good, God, and that the gospel would be preached more because of it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Yes, what is the right way for them to go? And Lord, I pray that they would be, as Jason prayed, bold, <coughs> but Lord, with love, yes, with patience, with the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, that you give yes. us, and all these things that they would show that we are not of this world. We are in it, but we are not of it, Lord. And I pray that that would be true for the churches in Canada, Lord, as they continue to proclaim your name in the nations. Father, I also pray for the 
Yes, Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Okay, the children come forward. Well, you. You're going to have to sing loud today. You will. Well, you can't go up against a post. Hmm. Last Sunday, you were way over here by the end of the day. Yeah. I'm going to try that spot again. I think it says Sherry right here somewhere. Shall we put a piece of tape there for you so you know where to put your toes and stand? No. All right. Um, boy, a new song. I'm going to have to think about that. Let me think if I have a new song. That's not new. So, should we have John come up and lead us? Steve. Steve wants to be involved. I think I vote for Steve. Because he kind of looks like Father Abraham. Okay, so we have to have Steve. Steve, Steve, Steve. You guys, you're going to ask, somebody going to ask politely for Steve to come up? Lexi, you're going to ask him? Steve, come up. No, that's not, that's demanding. you got to ask, please. Please come up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know this song, Steve? Okay, here, please take center stage. <laughs> This is Sunday school? Oh, you used to, oh, okay. Okay. So it says, unless we become like little children. Good luck. <laughs> Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord right on. Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord right arm, left arm. Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. So are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham, I am one of them, and so are you. So let's 
Let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, chin up. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, chin up, turn around. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, chin up, turn around, sit down. Leaning on the Lord's side. Hold on. I guess leaning on the Lord's side first. All right. Are you leaning on? Tell me whose side are you leaning on? I lean, I lean, I lean, I lean, I'm leaning on the Lord's side. I lean, I lean, I lean, I lean, I'm leaning on the Lord's side. Tell me whose side are you singing on? Tell me whose side are you singing on? I sing, I sing, I sing, I sing, I'm singing on the Lord's We gotta do praying before we can do jumping. Tell me whose side are you praying on? Tell me whose side are you praying on? I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray on the Lord's side. I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray on the Lord. So do you believe, will you believe them if they answer you if they're not jumping? Because if we, if we look over and they're jumping on the Lord's side, I ain't going to believe them. Right? You think they have to stand and jump? Yes! Okay, we'll ask them the question and see what they do with it. Tell me whose side are you jumping on? Tell me whose side are you jumping on? I'm jumping on the Lord's side. I jump, I jump, I jump, I jump, I jump, I'm jumping on the Lord's side. I jump, I jump, I jump, I jump, I jumping on the Lord's side. That was much more fun. You didn't believe John? Cast your burdens? Okay, here we go. Yeah. Amen. 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 Amen
A. Okay, who do we cast our burdens on? Jesus, that's right. Cast your burdens onto Jesus. Let's sing. All right. Cast your burdens onto Jesus, for he cares for you. Cast your burdens onto Jesus, for he cares for you. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, 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 lower, 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 Satan, lower, 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 Satan, lower, 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 Satan, lower, 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 lower. Cast your burdens onto Jesus, for he cares for you. Cast your burdens onto Jesus, for he cares for you. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, higher. 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 Lower, 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 Satan, lower, lower. 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 Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, higher. 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 Well, that's a big change. Jesus loves me, this I know. song? I'm no kin to the monkey? That one? Hmm. I gotta get the words for that so everybody else can help me. Which one? I can at least get one verse of it by memory. 
I know, but see, we, some of these songs I'm still learning with the Chilton's yet. So once we get all the Chilton's here, then I can sing those because I don't really know them very well. Does that make more sense? One more thing that you can love about having the Chilton's here. I'm no kin to the monkey. The monkey's no kin to me. I don't know much about his ancestors, but mine didn't swing from a tree. It seems so unbelievable, but surely, surely it's true that God made man in his image. No monkey story about his ancestors but mine didn't swing from a tree well you never know some of them might have swung from a tree because my ancestors swung from a tree because they had a tree out in their tree I mean they had a swing in their tree right okay well I'm going to read you a story now you guys ready for a story who have we been reading about? Huh? Oh, we gotta do a happy birthday for John. You guys wanna sing that one? Well, Tiffy's doing snow angels. <laughs> All right. Let's stand up and sing uh, Grandpa, uh, well, Grandpa Esha, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Papa. Happy birthday to you. How's the, how's the second verse go? You look like a monkey belonging to me. You know that one? You look like a monkey. Okay. So we still have... Oh, oh, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. We still have one more verse for this. Follow along. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, you look like a monkey, and you smell like one too. Okay. Sorry, I didn't quite get that right. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. Oh, it's different now. Okay, so who were we learning about? I mean, I, I heard I was saying her name wrong the whole time I was reading that book or that story to you guys. Hmm. Okay, have you guys ever seen... Well, they don't show it in here. 
Okay, do you guys know who, when there's a big disaster, who's usually the first ones there? Do you know? Well, absolutely, they were always there. They never left. But who comes in to help? Like, who, like, provides food? Do you remember? Do you guys know? Nope, not quite. Nope. No, it's called the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. So they come in like if there's a, like a tornado or a flood or uh, all over the world. Then they come in and they give food and clothes and shelter to everybody that got affected by it. So we're going to learn about the guy that first started this. His name was William and his wife was Catherine and their last name was Booth. All right. Both William Booth and his wife, Catherine, were born in England in 1829. It was while they were young people that they became concerned about the harm alcohol did to families. In fact, they first met at a friend's house where William quoted a poem about the dangers of alcohol. They were later married in 1855. Both William and Catherine were especially interested in reaching out to poor people to help them and show them God's love. They opened the East London Christian Mission in 1865. Soon William began calling it the Salvation Army. He and Catherine believed that to save people from evil and teach them about Jesus Christ, Christians needed to organize like an army. What's an army? Huh? They test you in an army? Oh, it attacks things. Protects. Oh, that's true too. It attacks, it protects. Okay. A lot of people. Okay, yeah, and goes into battle. Okay, so how how's an army organized though? By generals? Okay, so there's somebody in charge that's organizing and there's massive groups of people or men that what do they do? Uh-huh. You ever march in the army? I may never march in the infantry. We sing that song, right? Uh-huh. So, they're an army, but they're organized. In other words, they're under discipline. They're doing something together. Okay? That's what an army does. It's one massive amount of people. It's not everybody off doing their own thing. It's a bunch of people doing one thing. So, they're organizing a Salvation Army like an... I mean, the Salvation Army was organized like an army. But it was the Lord's army going into spiritual battle. Their newspaper was the war cry. Their leaders were officers. Christians were captives. And people called William general. I did not know that. Outreaches into new cities or countries became known as invasions. The street corner preaching of the Salvation Army was so useful in bringing people to Christ and encouraging them to stop drinking that businesses began to drop off at the gin shops. In response, the tavern owners encouraged troublemakers to attack the Salvationists. In 1882 alone, 669 Salvationists were attacked, and 60 of the Army's buildings were wrecked by mobs. By 1872, the Salvation Army had opened five lunchrooms where day and night the poor could buy a cup of soup for a quarter of a penny or a complete meal for six cents. The thousands of meals were given away free. Catherine died in 1890 at the age of 61. William Booth continued the ministry of the Salvation Army 
before he died on August 20, 1912. At the age of 83, he traveled around the world and preached 60,000 sermons. That's pretty good. It's a lot of sermons, huh? Well, so now you know one more thing about, what was his name? William Booth. Got to remember, think of a phone booth, and you have no idea what that is either. All right, you guys can go back to your parents. Sixty thousand sermons. I think you have a ways to go yet, Phil. You've been uh, preaching how many years? Twenty. So uh, you might have six thousand sermons in. <laughs> you you bet. You better step it up and uh, start preaching every day instead of every uh, week. Uh, Sixty thousand. That's uh, yeah. Definitely spreading uh, the word of God. A lot, that's for sure. So, well, welcome. It's good to have each one of you here, and a special welcome to our visitors and those watching online. How about a hand of welcome to each one? We're glad that you're able to uh, join in with us. And for those of you online, we've made a few changes and uh, on our online platform, and hopefully. That uh, takes care of some of the issues that you all may have been seeing over the last number of weeks, connectivity issues and that kind of thing. So please, if you're watching online, feel free to reach out to us and uh, let us know uh, what the viewing experience is like. We uh, would love to hear feedback from you on that. Thank you, each one of you, for coming and uh, being a part of us here. Thank you to our worship team and to our kids for leading us in worship this morning. It's good to be together on a nice day when the sun is shining, even though it snowed a couple days ago, and it'll probably snow again this week. So uh, learn in literally whatever season you're in to be content, right? So it's good to have everybody here this morning. Or announcements, as usual, we'll have a meal after the service, and you all are welcome to Stay and enjoy that and enjoy that time of fellowship together. This weekend, we do, or sorry, this week, Wednesday evening, we do have a Bible study here at 7 o'clock, 6.30. Bible study here, all are welcome. Please invite your friends and neighbors. It's somewhat of an informal type of a Bible study, so uh, just come and enjoy that. I think we'll be looking into the life of Joseph, so uh, feel free to come and spread the word for that as well. And uh, I think that pretty much does it for the announcements. Phil will be uh, bringing the word to us this morning, so let's bow our heads for prayer and ask the Lord that he would open his word to us this morning. Father, I thank you for this time that we have here this morning that we can gather together to worship you, to praise you to hear from you. I thank you for each one here, each one that is able to join us online. 
I pray, Father, that wherever we are, that your spirit would rest on each one and speak the things to us this morning that we need to hear for whatever circumstance we find ourselves in in life. So I pray that we would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word, that our hearts would be fertile soil that would bring forth fruit from these seeds of your word that will be sown today. Thank you for what you will do in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's also pray, take a moment and pray for the Chilton family. Um, as many of you may know, they, uh, Jim has uh, lost his father, um, passed away, and so they had a memorial service yesterday, I think it was, um, either Friday or yesterday. So let's just take a moment and pray for them. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we lift up our dear friends, the Chilton family, and Father, we pray that as you shared with us through your Holy Spirit in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that you're the God of all comfort, and you comfort us. So we pray that you would comfort them and encourage them. And Lord, I pray that this experience would unite them in a closer way with you, their Redeemer, their Savior, their High Priest, their Bridegroom, and their Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray that it would continue to, to share the gospel, that it would be a, a time when they can share the good news of Jesus Christ with those in their family who do not know you. In Jesus' name we pray. And also, if you could keep in your prayers a family, her name is Sean uh, Morgan, and some of us have gotten to know the Morgan family they live in Tennessee. Over the many years, we had gotten to know them through their young people coming to our youth conferences and got to be very close friends. Uh, I was sharing with one of the boys last night, and he was telling me that Sean, their mom, uh, is really fighting cancer again. Cancer has come back. She's been dealing with this for a number of years, and it went into remission, but they now um, found a lot of spots, again, both in her brain and in her lungs. And so she's going through radiation. She's very sick. So could we lift her up? To the Lord, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And again, Lord, we lift up this sweet family to you. Lord, you know their hearts. And I thank you for this woman, Lord, who's raised her family to the glory of God. That their souls, Lord, have... Have they have many of the children now are married and have, have established homes in your love and are walking in your love as children of light. And Father, I just thank you for your great salvation in redeeming this family out of heartache and tragedy and, and sustaining Sean and the children's hearts and preserving them in your love. And Lord, as she now battles with cancer, we lift her up before you and pray that you, Lord Jesus, would sustain her and strengthen her inner man with your Holy Spirit. Let her be rooted and grounded in your love. 
That whatever your will is for her, Lord, whether you're going to remove her from her body here and take her home to be with you, or whether you'll give her some more time here on the earth with her children, Lord, we lift up her soul before you and pray that you would be glorified in her body and in her spirit, which are yours. And we do pray for healing, that you would touch her and heal her and strengthen her through this time and give her some more years with her children. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, it's wonderful to pray for others, isn't it? Do you know that experience well? Are you well exercised in that heavenly language? If not, you should try it. In the last few weeks, we have been looking at three chapters in the Bible, three chapters of instruction to, from Christ to his church. We were looking at Ephesians chapter 4, Romans chapter 12, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Ephesians chapter 4, we've seen together that Christ not only came from heaven in the form of a baby and grew up to be a man, a great teacher, the greatest teacher who ever lived and walked on the earth, gave his life on the cross and died, and he rose again, but he did something else. And that is what matters to you and I today. He ascended. He ascended back to his heavenly Father. And when he ascended, he did an amazing thing. He sent the Holy Spirit to live and dwell in our hearts and give gifts to men. He ascended Christ in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. He Ascended Christ, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. We've seen in Matthew 28, Revelation chapter 12, and Ezekiel chapter 28, how Jesus conquered death, rendered Satan powerless, Hebrews chapter 2, all those who were held and gripped in bondage to the fear of death, he rendered Satan powerless. And he empowered men, you and I. By his resurrection from the grave, his ascension to the right hand of the Father's throne to make intercession for us. That's how it pertains to you and I. Right now, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and is making intercession for you and for me right now. If it weren't for that right now happening for me, I'm wasting your time. Go home. If it weren't happening for you right now, you're wasting your time. Go have fun for the rest of the day. Forget this whole thing called church. But Christ is risen. It is happening. He is there right now making intercession for us through the Holy Spirit and sending forth the Holy Spirit into our hearts and it causes us to cry, Papa, Papa, Romans 8. 
And more than that, the Holy Spirit is praying through us words that we can't even put into words. That's Romans chapter 8. By sending the Holy Spirit to dwell in all those who believe. We've seen in Romans chapter 12 and in 1 Corinthians 5 that as stated in Colossians 1, I'm going to be going through scriptures, but I hope you know your Bibles and you'll go back to look at these. You can jot them down. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. The mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations has now been revealed to you, to me, his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, what is God's mystery to you? I'll tell you what it is to me. It's this, Christ in you, Christ in me. That's a great mystery, but it's true. Christ in me, and it gives me the hope of glory. Does it for you? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, and that he died for all, and that they who live, this is the difference now that he makes to you and I, they who live on the earth should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Verse 17, therefore, because this is true, if any man is in Christ, and Christ is in you, he is a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, look at this, guys. Behold, all things have become new. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Our bodies now become this living sacrifice. Holy, a living and holy sacrifice to God. Not being conformed by the pressures of the world. That means the world doesn't control you anymore. Crazy things can happen in the world. Pandemics and earthquakes and governments can be overthrown. And, and mountains can be moved. And anything can happen to your day. And it doesn't control your inner person. Your inner man is more than a conqueror through Christ who loves you. Romans chapter 8. And nothing can separate us from this love of God. Nothing. Not even death. Yes. We're not conformed to the world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. In this new relationship, your mind thinks differently. Have you ever noticed that about married couples? They think differently all of a sudden. They think differently about a lot of things. And this happens in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Proving what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect on the earth. Our Creator has now become our Redeemer and Savior. Transforming 
are natural created gifts. That who you are naturally, which, by the way, he created. You didn't come up with yourself. You didn't create yourself. There's nothing about you that originates from you. It originates from him. He created you and me. And he created who we are and all of our natural gifts. But now, old things pass away as you grew up and became a man and a woman. You took control of those natural gifts and you lived for yourself. You took all of who you are, your likes, your dislikes, and you served yourself. You don't eat the food you don't like, unless your mom and dad tell you differently. Right, children? But your life, as you grow up in your natural life, is self-serving, self-centered, self-pleasing, self-gratifying, and self-exalting. It's about you. And the Lord Jesus, who created your natural life, wants to change that old Adam in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that old self-centered life, changes that self-centered focus onto himself. And that's what makes all things new. And he transforms your natural created gifts into a spiritual blessing to others. And you learn the truth. It's more blessed to give than to receive. You learn that truth. And he equips us through various gifts of the Holy Spirit to accomplish his mission on the earth. We've seen Christ as the head of the church. And what that means that Christ as the head of his body is a bridegroom and we call him Lord. We've seen the power of that relationship both in confessing him Lord, confessing him publicly, Revelation chapter 12, and they were saved by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death. And by the blood of the Lamb. And they did not love their lives unto death. But not only confessing. A marriage is a marriage when two people confess they love one another. But then they enter into a covenant, a promise with each other. And that's a relationship that begins a life together. That's what he did. Jesus is not only looking for your confession of his love. He is promising you his love. A covenant relationship with him. That brings us into this doing life together. He moves in. In John chapter 15. The gospel of John. Chapter 15, actually in chapter 14 first. Chapter 14, verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Verse 23. 
Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and we will make our abode with him, dwelling place with him, with her. A word of our testimony, confessing him as Lord, giving him our lives in marriage. We looked at that last Sunday. How that he now becomes our bridegroom and he invites us into this marriage relationship, covenant relationship, to become one with him. As he prayed in John 17, Father, I pray that they would become one, even as you and I are one. That becoming oneness is a lifelong experience. It's designed to be like that. He becomes our teacher. We've seen the error of the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where they began to go after teaching from men and develop relationships and were fascinated and influenced by men. And it simply caused division in the church. Some said, I'm a Peter. Others, I'm of Apollos. Others, I'm a Paul. And others said, more spiritual than that, and said, I'm of Jesus. And so the church was divided instead of united. And dear brothers and sisters, this is still true today. You and I experienced it. We see it. We live in this Christianity where people follow men. And one man becomes their primary teacher. And they learn Christ through this man. They learn interpretation of the word through a man. They listen to this man nonstop. And they begin to admire him and they're fascinated with him. And they, they submit themselves and give him their affection. Very dangerous thing that divides God's people. Where a division shouldn't be and doesn't need to be. And we've seen in 1 John chapter 2 that you have no need that any man teach you because you have received the anointing and he teaches you all things. And Christ, who now has become, we're married to him, he becomes our bridegroom, he becomes our teacher. And he explains his word, his love letter to us. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus himself, our bridegroom, gives us a strong warning about having a relationship or giving our hearts and affection to others. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus says to them, The scribes, verse 2, and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe but do not do according to their deeds. For they say things and do not do them. And they tie heavy loads and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men. For they broaden their phylacteries, they lengthen the tassels of their garments, they display publicly a relationship with God that isn't true. 
They display publicly a relationship with God that isn't true. They're like a married couple who's constantly kissing and smooching each other in public to try to prove to you how much they love each other. Now, I'm not against public affection, but you and I both know that's not the proof of their love. The proof of how they love together is their quiet, secret life at home, which their children will know. When they're frustrated and disappointed with each other, when the pressures of life come in upon them and they disagree with each other and they see different things more important than each other and there's all these things that are pressing in on them, that's the proof of their love. Will they speak kindly to each other? Will they love each other and care for each other? Will they esteem each other more important than themselves? Will they love as Christ loves them in that situation? And so Jesus was pointing out the teachers of the day in the church were hypocrites. They loved the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi, teacher. But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher. And I ask you, dear child of God, do you have one teacher? Is Christ that one teacher for you? Are you, as Paul said to the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 2, learning Christ this way? He desires to be that for you. And you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth your father. Or one is your father who is in heaven. And do not call anyone on earth your father. For one is your Father who is in heaven. And do not be called leaders. For one is your leader. That is Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. And whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. We looked at that relationship becomes our foundation. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He is our foundation, for no other foundation is than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That means if you build your life on anyone else, you're going to crumble. You're going to stumble, and you're going to fall when the pressures of life hit you. They're not going to be there. Foundation means this to me. His teaching becomes my life, my living and I set my affection on Him. And today, I would like to, together with you, look at the beautiful bride. The one who sets her affection back upon Him. But before I go there, I want to give you just a couple more scriptures to convince you that God is first calling himself a bridegroom. That's who he is. That's who he came to be. Jesus came as a bridegroom to redeem himself, a people unto himself, a pure and spotless bride. And only as you and I live in that relationship, responding to his love, by setting our affection and our love upon him, can we truly love one another? 
and bless each other and receive the gifts that He gives to us, natural gifts transformed by His Spirit into a spiritual blessing and spiritual gifts that are given to equip the saints to strengthen God's people in their inner man against the wiles and the the fiery darts of the evil one and against the assaults of the world and against the temptations of our own flesh. All your natural abilities cannot do that. To each other as a married couple, you can't give that to your children. We can't give it to each other as God's children on the earth unless the Holy Spirit transforms who we are, and we let old things pass away and let Him transform us by renewing our mind and giving us spiritual gifts in this relationship of love. That's the only way they're effective. Otherwise, 1 Corinthians 13 will be your life sound. You know what that is? Just a bunch of... Turn on the drums for me, please, somebody. Turn on the drums, can you? How do I turn this on? Hit power? Yeah, come on up. Help me, Luki. Oh, there's some power here. Uh-huh. Am I boring anybody yet? Turn up the volume. Maybe that'll help. I'm beating away. What do you mean? I'm working now. Don't you get this song? Don't you know I love you? This is my expression of loving you. Why are you laughing? shouldn't laugh at my good efforts. Were you mocking me? Don't you know God gave me a talent of beating the drums? 1 Corinthians 13. You can even give your body to be burned and give away everything you have. But if you have not love, there is zero money in the bank for you in heaven. Zero. The moment you die, you'll be penniless. You're not rich towards God. But even worse than that, in the hearts of those you're beating your drum of life to, you're penniless, meaningless. And worse than that, you become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. You're just an annoying noise. And yet, we try it all the time, don't we? We try to change our children by enforcing God's standard without loving them. We try to change each other by sharing God's truth without loving each other. We try to change the world by campaigning on God's truth without loving them. All we are is an annoying, clanging symbol. So we become frustrated and more aggressive and louder. And we beat the drum harder. And all that ensues is a fight. All that ensues is a fight. And we tell ourselves, I'm fighting the good fight of faith. Are you? 
bless you and I, dear brothers and sisters, minister to each other and share our gifts of the Holy Spirit in the church, with the world, with each other, in our homes, out of this betrothal relationship with Jesus Christ. And from Him, that flows out to the world. We're empty. We're bachelors and bachelorettes trying to have families. And God today is still calling to us. I can't get away from this because this is so foundational. It is the source of our eternal life. Jesus said in John 17, and this, verse 3, and this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. There's a word in Isaiah that the Lord gave me, and I hope and pray that he gives you this same word. Because this is not a word for preachers. This is a word for God's children. Isaiah chapter 62. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. Are you staying silent for Zion's sake? Oh, it never ceases to amaze me how the devil fools God's people. He brings them together in church and shuts their mouth, telling them they're spiritual. But he takes them to a baseball game and they yell to their horse. Not until they are a horse, until their throats are horse. And they can't hardly talk anymore. That's some guys batting around a stupid ball and running around on bases. A temporary game. Give it your all. Give it your passion. Give it your love. But when you come to church, be quiet. Be spiritual. Really? I think we're messed up. I think we know it. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet until her righteousness goes forth like brightness. And her salvation is like a torch that is burning. It's like when Jesus came alongside, in, as recorded to us in Luke chapter 21, I think it is. In Luke chapter 21, I don't want to give you the wrong reference. Nope, 24, thank you. Luke chapter 24, verse 32. And their eyes were opened, and they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Jesus had just come out of a Y in the road, and these two men were walking down the road to this city called Emmaus, and they were talking to each other about all the things that had happened, and Jesus had been crucified, and there was a great earthquake, and all of these change was going on in their life. Jesus comes along and he explains the scriptures and it sets their hearts on fire. Will you allow Jesus to do that in you? 
Jesus is looking for a bridegroom that will share this truth. So it has this effect. And the nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory and you will be called by a new name. That's something that happens when a woman marries a man. She gets a new name. Her last name changes and she takes on his name and it becomes their family name. It's very interesting. This happens every time I officiate a wedding. At the end of the whole little ceremony, they stand here like this, but they won't go until I stand here and say, and now it's my honor to present unto you Mr. and Mrs. And I say their last name. The two have become one. She took on a new name. Have you married Christ this way? He is inviting you into this relationship. And you will be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. You also will be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. It will no longer be said to you, forsaken, single, no one wants you. Nor to your land or your life will it any longer be said, you are desolate, alone. But you will be called, my delight is in her. Have you heard Jesus say that to you? My delight is in you. And your land, get this, marriage. This is God, through Isaiah, sharing a prophecy of Jesus and his relationship with his bride. And your life will be called married. From now on, men will look at you and say, she's a married woman, he's a married man. They are married to Christ. Wow. What if all the nations in the world, everyone who met you, wherever you go, will look at you and recognize you're a married person. You have a ring on your heart. The seal of his love is upon your heart, as Ecclesiastes says. He has set the seal of his love on my heart. And they'll recognize it. For as a young man marries a virgin, so your sons will marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God will rejoice over you. I'll tell you why. You're joyless. You're missing it. If your life has very little joy in it, if you feel like you have to come up with it, you have to manufacture it. I tell you, my dear brother, sister, you don't need to. You just need to enter into the joy of your Lord. It's there. He's rejoicing. And you're just not getting it because you're so distracted and so taxed and worried and, as Jesus said, overcharged with the cares of war. So your God will rejoice over you. 
And then he responds in 61, verse 10. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God. Is this how you wake up in the morning? Is this how you walk through the day? Is this how you face the questions and the challenges and the trials of your, of your life? With this joy, I present unto you the secret of Ezra and Nehemiah's message to Israel. In case you find yourself where Israel found itself, and we do, don't we? Turn your Bibles with me to Nehemiah. In Nehemiah, I think it's in chapter 7, and this just comes to my heart now. Brother Steve and I were talking about this. I just want to look it up. Oh, why can't I find Nehemiah? Here we are. In Nehemiah chapter 7, this is the first time that this word is recorded. This secret is recorded and presented to God's people. You're going to find in Nehemiah, it's actually in Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8, Ezra is reading the law to many of the Jews who came back from Babylon to Jerusalem. And if you have come back from Babylon to live with your husband, Jesus Christ, and given your life to him, and you're listening to him reading and explaining his word to you, and you feel the effect that the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, promised that the Holy Spirit will do to us, a conviction of sin and of his righteousness. My sin, his righteousness, and he's bringing it into judgment. And you feel that. That's what they were. And all the people, verse 8, chapter 8, verse 1, gathered as one man at the square, which is in front of the water gate. And they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Then Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it before the square, which was in front of the water gate, from early morning until midday. You think your church service is long? From early morning until noon, midday, in the presence of men and women, those who could understand, and all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Verse 5. And then Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. When he opened it, and all the people stood up. Oh, wow. They were standing that long. Then Ezra, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. Then they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Verse 8. And they read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give the sense so that they understood the reading. Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. <clears throat> For all the people were weeping when they heard the words 
the law. Then he said to them, Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went away to eat, to drink, to send portions, to celebrate a great festival, because they understood the words which had been made known to them. That is what repentance looks like, dear brother, sister. That is what Jesus is desiring from giving you his word and explaining it to you, which causes your heart to burn and recognizes, gives you a view of your own sinful self, of his righteousness, and he brings it into judgment. He calls it sin, and you repent and weep, and he raises you up. He gives you his joy. That's your strength, my strength. And if you experience that, as they did, then you can fulfill this word in your life. This prophecy, this desire from God will become your experience in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. Then you can say, I will rejoice. I want you to note something. He's not saying, then I'll feel like rejoicing. It's a choice. It's a choice of love. Just like you choose to love your wife and love your husband at times of difficulty, at times of failure, and you choose to love. That's this choice. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. Not in my circumstances. Not in all of the things, my disappointments. In the Lord and His love for me. That's what I will rejoice in. And as Philippians chapter 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always and again. I say to you, did you get it? I'll say it again. Rejoice. The Holy Spirit is saying to you and I, this is the strength of our relationship with Jesus. And if you lose this, dear brother, sister, you've become very weak in your relationship with him. And you'll probably soon become discouraged and depressed and go your own way. And just kind of stay away from his presence. It's that way in our marriage relationship. If we lose the joy of our relationship, if I lose the joy of being married to this woman and her love, that love will become dull and cold. And the wedding bells will quit ringing. And what I felt that day on the altar, that celebration when we made our vows to each other and coveted our, covenanted our lives to each other, and we lose that. We lose the strength of our relationship. And Satan quickly will come in and take advantage of that weakness. And he will attract you with other. He will allure you. With his loves. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God. 
for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. Did you get that? Has God wrapped you with a robe of his righteousness? You just got done looking at your own righteousness like they did in Ezekiel. And they seen it. They were undone before God. They had disobeyed God's word. And there was repentance to have to be done. But this, this comes out of this experience of repentance. It's called justification. And I want you to see this from your bridegroom, this wonderful, wonderful experience. In Zechariah, he records to us the story of Joshua, the high priest. Now this was along the same kind of lines. Joshua had failed to be the high priest he should be to God's people. In Zechariah chapter 3, And he showed me Joshua the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord has chosen, who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. Have you ever been in filthy clothes? Sure you have. We all have. And we've looked at ourselves and we've seen the filth of sin on our clothing, on our flesh, on our body, on our spirit. That's not a good feeling, by the way, is it? You ever just relish in the dirt? Well, maybe if you're a pig. But I'm not a pig. I'm a son of God. And so I don't like to be dirty and filthy. Joshua was clothed with filthy garments standing before the angel. Especially if you're standing in front of everyone. The angel of the Lord. And he spoke and said to those who were standing before him saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. Again he said to him, See, I have taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festal robes. Then I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways, and if you will perform my service, then you also will govern my house, and I and also have charge of my courts, and I will grant you free access among those who are standing here. That will give you his joy. If you find yourself in the presence of your bridegroom with filthy garments, Listen for the voice of Jesus. And that will give you joy. As a bridegroom, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland. And as a bride adorns herself with jewels. 
put a song in your heart. And Joshua was changed from that day on. Joshua hadn't started out dirty. He got filthy along the way. He became corrupted in his service to Jesus Christ and to his church. And if you find yourself as the bride of Christ in your relationship with Jesus, having other affections, having been drawn away by the lures of this world, by your own selfish lusts, having fallen into sin and corrupted your your relationship with Him and lost the joy, this joy of a bride. And the Lord wants to give you the experience of Joshua. And He tells Israel in these beautiful words recorded to us in Hosea chapter 2. And these are His words to you and I this morning. Verse 14. Here... Israel had fallen into the fornication and adultery, gone after other gods. And the Lord told Hosea to illustrate it in his life and go marry a woman who was an adulterous woman. And the Lord said, this is what he will do to Israel. Verse 14 of Hosea chapter 2. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness and speak kindly to her. Then I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. You know what the valley of Achor was? Can someone tell me? Huh? The valley of Achor, you'll read in Joshua, is where they stoned Achan for his sin. And it was recorded as the valley of Achor unto this day. What did Achan do? He got drawn away with the things of the world. And he disobeyed the command of God. And that day, Achan and his family died for their sin. Now God has a different promise. A new experience for those who get lured back into the world of his children. And they go running after other affections of their heart. And they get distracted from this pure, devoted love of their bridegroom, God says, this is what I'll do with you, Israel. This is what I'll do with my people. I'll speak kindly to them. I will allure you, invite you back. And the valley of Achor will become your door of hope. Now there's a door right there. And I don't know about you, but for me, that's a door of hope. Because I know it's a door and not a wall, I have a really strong hope That in about, well, once I get done talking, and shortly after that, someone is going to open this door, and guess what's on the other side? Food! Lots of yummy food! And you and I will get to go through that door and eat to our heart's content. Maybe more. I hope not. That's a door of hope. That is in your valley of acorn. At your failure. God sets before you a door of hope. And this is the hope. Look what it's going to do to you. And she will sing there. Having a problem singing? Let the Lord change your valley of acorn into a door of hope. Your failure into a placing of singing and festal robes. And that's what happened to Israel in the midst of their repentance. And it says there was heavy rain and the people were depressed. They had understood that they were living in sin. And God says, I want to make cause you to sing. 
because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I want that door to open and give you food because it will strengthen your body to go out and live with me. And she will sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. What did they do when they crossed the Red Sea? And the Red Sea covered Pharaoh and all his hosts. They sang the song of Moses. And it tells us we can sing the song of Moses and of the Lamb when we get there. And it will come about in that day. Same day. In that day, declares the Lord that you will call me Ishi. Meaning, my husband is the Hebrew meaning of that. And will no longer call me Bali or my master. You've recognized he's your bridegroom, not your master. For I will remove the names of the bales from her mouth so that they will, so that they will be mentioned by their names no more. And in that day, I will also make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the birds of the sky, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land and will make them lie down in safety. The one thing that Jesus gives to his bridegroom, to his bride, is safety, peace. He came as a prince where there is war in your heart and all those flashpoints of war that you've been beating the drum and you've been a noisy annoyance to the people around you, there will be peace. This peace. And I will betroth you to me forever. In the Valley of Achor, this wedding happened. And I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in loving kindness and in compassion. And I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will know the Lord. Do you know the Lord? Do they know that you know the Lord? This is the only way. He has made for us to know him. And if you're struggling with that, or you realize you have been busy in the church, but you've been busy in a self-conscious way of who you are, what you mean to others, how relevant you are in the church, what your gifts are to the church, and you've just been a noisy gong, banging away on your but you're missing this. You're still in your filthy garments. Come and allow Lord Jesus to marry you. Come enter into his love. Come and be his bride. Let him change your garments. And as you repent from your sin, this is what will happen. The door of hope will open and your failure will become one of your greatest strengths to others, greatest encouragements to others 
because of his salvation. And he will clothe you with songs of deliverance. And the joy, the joy of this relationship will fortify you and strengthen you to walk through the day and take on every trial, every challenge, everything that comes at you that day with joy. You think the devil can do anything about that? No, he can't. And you know what he does? He flees. Because he hears the voice of the bridegroom, my bridegroom and yours, saying, Satan, the Lord, rebuke you. And when he hears the voice, that voice, he flees. He's defeated in your life and in my life. There's a song I like to play in closing. Do you have that song, Brandon? Hey, let's go ahead and play that song. And then Anthony will give a time.